Hey lady, I'm your host, Laura Day. Welcome to part one of episode eight of Confessions of a Surf Lady, a podcast by Ayara Surf. Here at Ayara Surf, we design to complement the uniqueness and beauty of every woman, not just one industry standard. This year, we got to introduce our line of eco-conscious garments. This line includes our tawny rash guard, which we designed with a darted bust and a curve in the hip to stay put around your body so there's no bunching or riding up while you pop up or you cruise down the line in style. Pair the tawny with our Nava reversible bikini bottoms. These beauties are our best sellers. They are seamless, so they don't have a hard elastic that runs along the waistline or the leg line, so you don't get any weird pinching or tugging or uncomfortable fits. They actually will stretch to fit your shape. The Tawny Rash Guard and the Nava Reversible Bikini Bottom now come in matching sets. That was a huge request we had last year. And just before we get into our episode, I'm excited to announce that we're doing a pre-summer sale of this entire collection. So if you're listening on our launch date, which is May 20th, take advantage of 30% off your entire purchase, which is the biggest discount we give all year long. This sale runs through midnight on Memorial Day, May 25th. So if you want this discount code, head on over to the show notes right now, click the link and send us your email and we'll send you that 30% off to your inbox. I'll even give you a moment to do that. Now, if you're new to Confessions of a Surf Lady and this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Usually, our episodes feature confessions from you and surf ladies all over the world to questions specific to women surfing. But this episode is a little bit different for two reasons. One, we get to speak and interview with a very special guest. And two, this episode is part one of a three-part series. I've decided to break this episode up into a few different parts to make it more fun to listen to. Our special guest is a trailblazing woman who was set to surf for Mexico in the 2020 Olympics. Now, if you didn't know, this year was going to be the very first year that surfing was included as an Olympic sport. Now that the Olympics are postponed, she will be surfing in 2021. To give you some background, this interview was conducted before the Olympics were postponed. I then had another opportunity to interview our guest a second time to see how she was doing and how she was dealing with the news of the postponement. Now, I have to thank a few people for the opportunity to do this interview. Of course, thank you to our guest for spending your time with us. It was such a pleasure getting to know you. Shout out to the lovely Vanessa Yeager guest of episode two, an extremely connected community creator in the surf community. Also, thank you to Camille McClay and Board Shaper for inviting me to Huntington Beach to come hang at their headquarters and for making this happen. For some context, this interview was recorded at Board Shaper HQ in Surf City, USA, Huntington Beach, California in March of 2020. So today, we have with us professional surfer and 2021 Mexican Olympian Shelby Detmers. We'll discuss how Shelby got started surfing and how her competitive spirit has driven her to the Olympics. 
Listen to the end to hear one of Shelby's mantras that I absolutely love on how she deals with surf sessions that don't go well. I'm definitely adding this one to my toolbox and you should too. Now, before we get started, do me a favor and take a screenshot. Tag us to your stories on Instagram with our handle at Confessions of a Surf Lady. I'll be sure to reshare and say thank you for listening. All right, let's get to it. So we're here with Shelby Detmers, who is a Mexican-American dual citizen and is going to be surfing for Mexico in the 2020 Olympics. Yes. Yeah? Thank you so much for being with us here, Shelby. I'm so stoked. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's awesome. Like, I've never done something like this before, so it'll be a new experience. So tell us more about yourself. Tell us what brought you to where you're at today. I kind of had a late start in surfing. I did a bunch of other type of sports uh, prior to surfing. One of like the bigger sports I really liked was baseball, not softball. Baseball. Yeah. And skiing because my dad was on the U.S. Olympic ski team. And so I was very into those two sports. And then one day I like mustered up the courage to ask my dad like to teach me how to surf because every summer we'd go down to Mexico and uh, we'd go with family friends to the houses down there and they all the boys there surfed and like my dad surfs and my dad's friends surfed just everyone surfed and I would always just be on the beach and so I finally asked like can I learn how to surf and I remember catching my first wave and that was pretty much it I like quit a lot of my other sports from there I started getting into contest surfing because I was like oh like I've always been competitive and when I found out that there's a thing as like competitive surfing and contests, I was like, oh, okay, sign me up. But then I remember doing my first contest and like, I was definitely not as good as the rest. I'd only been surfing for maybe a year, (laughs) a year and a half and was not that good. And not being as good as the rest of the girls were at my age Mm -hmm. and that really kind of lit a fire into me and I'm like I want to do this like I want to be as good as these girls I want to make a final and then later that season I did make my first final is at Topanga I got sixth place (laughs) but yeah it's just so you know from then on I just kept doing contests and that's pretty much it and now I'm here still doing contests (laughs) (laughs) so when you say you got started surfing a little bit later how old was that I was like 11 and a half. (laughs) I remember. (laughs) But would you say that's basically later in terms of somebody that's going for a competitive? Yeah, for competitive surfing, Mm -hmm. that's really late. I know most of the people I know that, you know, in contest surfing have all started surfing when they were like three or four. And like, you know, the things that they're doing at 14, I was definitely not doing at 14. So you don't realize like how much time like you do develop in that and especially for surfing because I mean surfing's hard it has a lot to do with knowing the ocean and just a lot of repetition and so that takes time and years and so whatever like can help will help but again like that's for contest surfing if you want to just like be a casual surfer and you like that then you know, you have all the time in the world. But for contest surfing, there is kind of, there's not really an age limit, but, you know, life does happen. And most of the time you want to do it in your 20s, Mm -hmm. you know, especially for females. I mean, most 
women want to get married and have kids and like not that there's necessarily a timeline for that but you feel a timeline for oh, that certainly. so you know that also comes into play i think for women's surfing yeah competitively at least there's definitely a biological timeline for yeah that, that kind of pressure as opposed to men that don't have that exactly <laughs> yeah i know they don't <laughs> oh well <laughs> uh, i did post a question up for other women to ask. Yeah. I said, what would you ask a professional surfer? And one woman did ask, as a complete beginner, where would you start? So I know that you started young and yeah. you kind of started with a background, but what would you say as a professional surfer? You know, I would say, you know, start off somewhere that the waves aren't big and the waves are forgiving. Like if you're in California, Southern California, like Blackies or Newport Beach Pier, that is the perfect place to learn how to surf, but also make sure you know, you can handle out there. You don't want it to be big. So you would prefer something smaller. And riding the whitewash is completely fine. A lot of people, like, want to go out there the first time and catch the wave before it breaks. But honestly, it's kind of unrealistic because you need a lot of power and paddling. And there's just all these things. And it's okay to, like, take it slow. Like, it's better to take it slow and, you know, do what is comfortable stuff like that and the bigger the board the better people also always want to ride like these small boards and it's like why you're making it so much (laughs) harder on yourself the bigger the board the easier it will be to like stand up for your first time like you'll get more speed like getting on the whitewash and all that stuff but I would definitely recommend if you've never surfed before take surf lessons like do not go out there by yourself not knowing anything that is extremely dangerous not only are you going to possibly hurt yourself but hurt someone else and it's just like a danger that doesn't need to happen and I know like some people are like oh but surf lessons are expensive but you can't really put a price tag on injuring yourself or injuring someone else definitely so like I would definitely recommend a good surf school that you know will help you with that and kind of teach you the basics and then you can kind of grow from there. Right. And there are more initiatives now that are making it more accessible for people to get in the water, just like Vanessa has uh, courage camps, and they invite people to come come and surf. They'll get you in, get your feet wet at yeah. least, right, before introducing you to the lessons. So what what is it like qualifying for the Mexican team for the Olympics? It's been an insane journey and not one that I, like, ever saw because I – honestly never thought surfing was going to be in the Olympics. I wasn't sure, you know, because I mean, not every country has an ocean and then you have to make sure that you have the Olympics in a country that has an ocean that has waves at least. So I was just like, oh, I feel like there's all these factors that might not add up. And I was just kind of, you know, didn't think it would happen. And then it did. And it just changed at least it changed surfing for me. I can't speak for other everyone else, but it definitely changed my view on like what I can accomplish because, you know, it's either you do like the World Surf League competitions or you don't. And with this, it's just, I don't know. I've always wanted to go to the Olympics. Like, as I said earlier, my dad was on the U.S. Olympic ski team. And like, so I was super into skiing and that's what I wanted to do mm. before surfing. So it's nice to kind of have that dream again, but it's just a different sport and different age. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not like 11 anymore. <laughs> so, you know, it's just just been crazy and it's been amazing. Like I got to go to the Pan American Games and um, I finished copper, which is fourth place, which 
I obviously wanted to win because everyone wants gold, but the whole atmosphere of that was insane. Like the opening ceremony, seeing the flags and being there with your country and just seeing everyone else from everyone, all the other countries and all the other sports that are there and just having the communal dinners and lunches and whatever else with every other country that's there and all the other athletes. It's just insane. And like, it's definitely an experience I'll never forget. And this whole experience is something I'll never forget. And that's what makes it so much more than just doing like a professional contest at, with the World Surf League or any other contest like I've ever done. Like this process is completely different. What's your relationship like with your dad since he was <laughs> he did the Olympics too? Um, well, so he never actually got to go okay. um, because he hurt himself. Oh. Yeah. But like, I mean, our relationship... <laughs> You know, he's my dad. So does he, is he a little bit coachy when it comes to you being on the Olympic team? Or no. he's just more your cheerleader? Not like, I mean, he would coach me when I was younger, but then it got to a point like, you know, like the soccer parents or like the baseball parents that are yelling on the sidelines. Like surfing has that so gnarly in the amateur scene. You really? have no idea. I mean, I'm not sure how it is now, but when I was doing all that stuff, it was savage like straight savage and yeah at one point I remember I was like 15 or 16 and I like straight up told my dad I was like dad you can't come to my surf contest anymore like you're no (laughs) longer allowed to come and like my mom I my mom would only take me I'm like you're not allowed to come like my mom can only take me because like she was more not support oh he's a mom you know yeah it's different and um So, yeah, now he definitely does not coach me at all. (laughs) And, yeah, I have my own coach that, like, trains me and, like, we practice, you know, techniques and stuff like that. So that's – at some point, like, parent needs to stop coaching. You need to get a new coach. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, you'll get in fights. (laughs) That's right. So when you are training, because surfing is such a varied playground, you know, there's so many factors like you mentioned. And I think when you're learning, trying to get the consistency, like you can get into a frustrating, a frustrated rut, right? Because, and you don't realize that it's because you don't have the consistency of a good wave all the time. Yeah. So what do you do um, as somebody training for the Olympics if you don't have like amazing conditions to work with all the time? Well, but see, that's the thing. Contest surfing, you don't have amazing conditions every time. You know, most contests are at like a beach break that's, you know, probably similar to, like, surfing Huntington Beach Pier. And that's why, like, a lot of people train there. Like, Mm. I train there because, you know, it's not – I mean, it's an easy wave to surf, but then it's also not. It's always changing high tide, low tide, windy, not windy, you know. So you're not – I don't think surfing perfect waves all the time for contest surfing (laughs) is good. Like, if that's your goal to do contest surfing, like, you want to be surfing – when it's horrible. I mean, like, look right. at Kelly Slater. He's from Cocoa Beach, Florida, and the waves in Florida suck. They're <laughs> right. so bad. But he would train in the worst conditions, be out there all the time, and he was able to surf good in good conditions. Because right. if you can surf good in bad conditions, you can definitely surf amazing in perfect conditions. So that's just part of contest. You don't know what you're going to get because they schedule these things out a year in advance, and you show up, and you're like, oh, hopefully their waves are good, like, you know, even with Surfline, you can check, but yeah. still, the ocean's always going to do what it wants. So it could be like, oh, it, it was supposed to be 10 feet, but now, it, like, the swell had changed direction. Now it's only three feet. And you have to, you know, accommodate that. And that's the hardest part about contest surfing. 
So you guys have heard it from a pro. <laughs> it doesn't matter the conditions. <laughs> you yes. can always go out there and surf and become a better surfer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I have a question because you are Mexican-American. Yeah. What kind of cultural differences do you see as far as American surfers and Mexican surfers? Because I have a, we live part-time down in Baja. Okay. And I see my own, just from the breaks that I serve, I yeah. see the cultural differences. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear what you well, have to say. You know, in Latin culture, it's like very family oriented and being a part of that team and of that culture, it's definitely more family. And like even during the contest down there, everyone seems more friendlier or nicer and like they actually mean to be nice also. Whereas <laughs> doing contests here, it's like no one talks to each other. You don't say hi to each other. It's just a different vibe. And I think the biggest part of it, it's like it's culturally it's hard to explain you just have to almost experience it and it's hard to go back and forth kind of because mm. it is different huh. you know and so like in our my family moved here from Mexico like 50 years ago so like they have Americanized a lot and they because right. they had to you know when you came to America back then like you spoke English only. You didn't speak any other language. They didn't speak it to you in school. And if you didn't speak English, like, you'd get made fun of. And so, like, at that time is you move to America, you become American. Right. And it's definitely a lot different now. Uh, you know, it's I feel like it's hard because you need to be American, but also you need to be Mexican, too. It, like, it's very hard to be Mexican-American, I <laughs> <Yeah>. feel like, <laughs> because, you, you know, you love both countries. Right. And it's just hard. I was wondering, what was that moment for you where you just went from, hey, I really love surfing, to I'm competing and I'm going all in for this? It was literally when I did the first surf contest I ever did. It was it was called the H.P. Wahini Surf Classic <laughs> or something like that. It was in mm-hmm. Huntington. And... Um, yeah, I became a part of this, like, little surf club thing. My dad found them, I guess. I don't know how he did, to be honest. But there are a bunch of, like, little girls who surfed and, like, had a surf club. And they used to have, like, a shop up here on Main Street in Huntington called HB Wahini. And there's, like, a little skate ramp in there, too. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it was, like, skate surf, like, That's club. awesome. And so they were all just, like, better than me. And <laughs> I've never really... I've just always been very competitive and not that I was always the best person always on the team. But I, since I was so competitive, it made me, like, good. And that was the first time where I was like, wow, I'm not, like, the best because I was always really good in soccer and baseball and all that stuff. And I didn't like that feeling of not being good as everyone else because we were the same age and I was like why am I not at this level even though they've been surfing five years more than me yeah and so just doing that first contest and really I thought I was improving I was like oh I've been surfing for a year like I'm doing my first surf contest all these other girls like surf for three years before you know or something like that and I remember doing it and like was so almost embarrassed of how I did because I saw like this one girl uh her name is Tara France and she did like a sick turn and like surfing really good. And I was like, Fuck. wow, I'm not that good. And I just want to do whatever it takes to be at the same level. I want to make the final. I want to like be there and have a trophy. And 
and so I guess from there came like wanting to from wanting to be better in podiuming made me want to be a better surfer I guess so when you talk about competitiveness what what do you use as like a tool to not be so hard on yourself? I think free surfing, regular women yeah. that get out in the water, that competitiveness and just being hard on yourself when you're trying to progress, I, I know it's definitely an issue. Yeah. So I'd love to hear from you what you do to manage yeah. that. So when I was younger, I'd get pissed. I'd get so mad if I like didn't do well in a contest or fell or whatever it was. But now I've just kind of... You just have to take a deep breath. And, you know, my mom always says, like, everything happens for a reason. You don't know, like, what God has planned for you. And I just, I guess the last couple years really have taken that into, like, my being and, like, finally listening to my mom. Sorry, mom. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it has made me, like, a lot happier, to be honest, because, like, always being angry about those things, like, in the long run, it's like, oh, it doesn't really matter. I only get upset now if I don't surf to my full potential. Because if you're not surfing your best and you do shitty, it's like because you didn't surf your best. You didn't perform mm-hmm. your best. So, of course, you didn't make it through. But if you're going out there and giving it your all and, you know, the judges don't like what they see, then that's on them. You know, you just need to know that you tried it everything you could. That's really helped me like back off from being so angry about you know it's like I'm still competitive but I'm not like all bitter yeah I am like still kind of about a sport but like I've definitely been able to kind of channel it into just be like okay well I'm just gonna train harder now and fix what I did wrong and go with my coach and tell him like this is what happened we fix it next contest comes around and new slate yeah Cool. That's what you just have to do every time you go out surfing, new slate, no matter how bad your last session was or how bad just the last wave was. Like, maybe just come in, take a deep breath, and go back out. Yeah, that's a good that's good advice. New yeah. slate, that's a good exactly. slogan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you ever have surf? I mean, do you have surf sessions where you're more free surfing versus just training, or is like all your sessions right now pretty much just 100% training mindset? Oh no, you can't. Like, I personally cannot have. Uh, every session I'm out there training like mindset because that makes it not fun like surfing is supposed to be fun and so like I only have the training mindset when I'm training with my coach I mean there's certain things that we do go over that I will keep in my head uh, when I'm free surfing like for example like I don't know um widening my stance just a tiny bit on my forehand like where's my backhand it's fine just like little things like that is what I'll fix but it's not like oh I need to catch like a thousand waves and just like drop in on anyone because I'm training like that's not who I am (laughs) and so you know as I said when surfing becomes not fun and you're just training all the time it's like why are you even doing it surfing's supposed to be fun and it's supposed to like make you relax and like kind of you know, either think, like, find clarity in things that have happened in your or that are happening in your life, or just kind of let it, those things that are in your life just fade away. And yeah. Just, like, focus on the now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there's another one, you guys. You heard it from a pro. <laughs> Surfing is supposed to be fun. <laughs> it is. Okay. It is supposed to be fun. <laughs> Thank you, Shelby, for such a great mantra. 
New Slate is something I'm going to take with me when I'm having a bad surf session or even a bad day. I know it sounds like a simple concept and maybe feels so obvious, but it's so great to be reminded that just two simple words can encourage us to turn a negative situation into a positive opportunity. Thank you for joining us on part one of episode eight of this interview. There are two more parts that you can listen to also. This podcast, Confessions of a Surf Lady, is sponsored by Iera Surf. It is paid for by a portion of the sales that we make. So when you shop with us, you support the making of this podcast directly. If you love this podcast and would like to support the making of it, you can do so by shopping at Iera Surf. Hit the link in the show notes and sign up for our 30% off pre-summer sale that runs through Monday, May 25th. You'll get that discount code sent directly to your inbox. All right, lady, thank you again for tuning in. We have come to the end of this part of the episode, but we have not come to the end of the conversation. Head on over to part two of episode eight, where we asked Shelby some of the questions that you submitted to me over Instagram when I asked you, what would you ask a professional surfer? And also we asked her the same questions that you have submitted your confessions to. I'll see you on part two, episode eight.